Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. I'm your host, Brad Wright. And on the program today, we have uh, four pretty interesting guests to, to, uh, to talk about the various issues happening out there. Uh, for example, can you see yourself opening your home to share as a residence for someone else. We will talk with our old friend Rick Sangeri, who used to host this program, and we will talk with him about that. We also plan to talk with Dr. Elizabeth Mock, who on January 1st becomes the Chancellor of the Vermont State College System. What does she see as her biggest challenge in that job? What is the Vermont Criminal Justice Council? And can they take away the badge of a police officer? Well, the council just did. We talk about that with Brian Searles, a 20-plus-year veteran of policing and member of the council. Is fiber optic Internet coming to your town? What will it cost, and will the faster processing solve any problems for you? We'll also discuss whether Vermont needs to buy more electric power. How well are we doing with renewables? We'll discuss that with Commissioner June Tierney of the Vermont Department of Public Service. But first... We welcome in uh, uh, our old friend Rick Sangeri. As Vermonters and most of the country know very well, the housing shortage is a grinding societal problem and has very few answers and very few, even fewer easy answers. But seniors, the disabled, many others who can't afford to own a home or maintain one have a difficult time made even more difficult uh, by the floods this past summer and uh, really just like yesterday. So in some cases, sharing a home with someone is an option. Joining us to discuss this is our old friend Rick Sangari, the communications specialist of Home Share Vermont. Welcome, Rick. Thanks, Brad. Great to be back in this spacious studio. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a closet. Uh, so let's start with the basics of how this is supposed mm-hmm. to work. You match someone with uh, someone who has space to accommodate someone. So someone who has room in their home uh, will come to us and uh, offer to share that uh, for rent or for help around the home or for a combination of the two. And then we try to match them with someone who's looking for an affordable place to live. And uh, we've been doing this for 41 years. 41 Uh, years. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's a kind of a slow, methodical process. And... Uh, through that, you know, we will um, first do background and reference checks, and that's on everyone who applies, both hosts and guests. Um, and then after we do an interview uh, with the individuals, we then try to find matches. We try to find what we call compatible matches. Um, so just because you might want to live um, in Montpelier, that doesn't mean the, you know, a home that we have in Montpelier is the one we would recommend. You might not fit in different ways. Um, but we uh, then uh, do an introduction. We get the uh, host and guest, potential host and guest together with a case manager there uh, to foster a conversation, see how things go. Next is a two-week trial. Once again, give it a shot. Um, move in lightly with a suitcase, and uh, for two weeks they see how the match might work. And then if at that point they want to move forward, then we drop an agreement uh, between the two that list exactly, you know, what is expected of uh, host and guest. Do you have any questions as listeners about Vermont Home Share and what this might be able to do for you? Um, 
Uh, so please give us a call at 802-244-1777. That's 244-1777. Uh, Rick, can you describe how the background investigations and other personal history might work for each side? Yeah, so first of all, um, we ask for references, and we make reference calls. So um, that will be four individuals who can talk about your character and gives us a sense of, one, if you're um, a good candidate to be a home share guest or host, but also uh, then to give us some insight into who would be an ideal match for you. And then we do six different background checks, and um, three initially and then three um, more in-depth. And again, if we find anything um, specifically, if anyone has been convicted of a crime against person or property, we cannot work with them. Um, so we want this to be a safe situation for both both host and guest. You know, um, you're opening your home to someone. We want to make sure an, any individual we introduce you to, we've done our due diligence uh, on. And the same with the guest, you know, taking you into someone else's home. We want to make sure this is going to be a safe environment for them. Does it ever work out that, that uh, someone was able to hide uh, a, a criminal history of some sort? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so we also even do uh, a Google search, um, you know, and and make sure that, uh, you know, anything that we, you know, might have been missed by the courts, um, which uh, that's, you know, really um, not going to happen. But, you know, there might be something that uh, will explain a situation or, um, you know, can give us more in-depth uh, into the person, um, you know, we'll uh, look at that. But, you know, we're talking about any kind of crime against person or property. So if someone embezzled, for instance, um, sorry, we're not going to set you up in a home share match. Okay. I'm guessing that no, no matter how well background checks and personal interviews go, the success rate of putting two different people together probably is not quite 100%. Oh, um, so first of all, you know, the, um, the, when we go from that two-week trial to the match itself, there's about a 90 to 95% um, carryover, right? So there's going to be about 5 to 10% who tried it and said, that's not my person or – uh, I'm not ready to, to be in a home share match. Okay. So there's that. Um, but you know, uh, everything from the time we call someone, uh, and introduce them and the two week trial that, you know, both have the opportunity to say, no, this isn't for me. So we had this, um, this gentleman and his mother was having some memory care issues down in Heinsburg. And I think we ran six or seven different um, potential guests by them. They said no to each of them until, you know, we brought this gentleman in, in his early 30s, a teacher in the, in the area, and uh, they knew right away, that's our person. Um, so, yeah, we're not looking to bat a 1,000, um, you know, with any introduction, um, you know, or, or even uh, the trial. Uh, we want to make sure that the final one is – you know, the one that will carry on as, as best it can. Right. Um, what would happen in the event that uh, you have a match that seems to be working, there's some good history there, mm -hmm. and then maybe, uh, for example, the host, let's just say, uh, uh, has um, something happened to him health-wise or simply, uh, simply isn't holding up their part of the bargain? Mm-hmm. 
How do, how does how do you work that situation? Yeah, these are great questions because you know people do worry about this. Um, you you have someone coming into the home, or I'm going to live in someone's home. Um, you know, and what happens as things change? Um, and first of all, uh, our case managers are available um, throughout the length of the match, and so we have two matches right now that are on 18 years, um, and they can call at any time and say, you know, this has happened, um, I'd like to have a discussion. Um, because, you know, sometimes it's hard to have that face-to-face discussion with the host or guest. And so our case managers are always there to sit down and come in and have um, a consultation with the two and see if things can't be worked out. You know, the, the initial agreement may have been agreed upon five years ago, and for whatever reason, um, you know, the line has kind of shifted in some areas, right? So it's very natural for circumstances to change. We're people, right? I mean, you know, we're humans and these things happen um, and, you know, they can get uh, a little difficult. And so our case managers will go back in, sit down and foster that conversation. They're not going to solve everyone. Um, sometimes we have to admit that this is the end of the match. And uh, at the end of a match, either party uh, gives a 30-day notice. So there's no set length. It's not a contract. This is an agreement between two individuals or two, in, two or more individuals. And then we do try to foster that conversation, try to adjust, either adjust the original agreement or get everybody back in line to the original agreement or decide this is the end of the agreement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh Two four four seventeen seventy seven. If you have any questions for Rick Singari of Vermont Home Share, think about it. Sharing your home with somebody else can it work for you, uh, Rick? It's my understanding that um, uh, Home Share Vermont is not a statewide organization. Uh, how do you decide where to work? Well, um, so. Yeah, we decide uh, on where we're able to serve uh, people with the um, resources we have. So it actually started 41 years ago by a a small group of volunteers in Burlington and then Chittenden County and um, expanded eventually throughout northwest Vermont, so Franklin, Grand Isle, Chittenden, and Addison counties. Uh, uh, Four years ago, just before the pandemic, we took over central Vermont. There was an organization here that went under, and so uh, that got us to seven counties. Just recently, uh, we've added most of Windsor County, which is phenomenal. Um, We're working with a a senior center there, the Thompson, and they started a small program in Woodstock a few years ago and um, then added a few towns in the area. Through additional funding from the state legislature, we were able to uh, do most of Windsor County, and then we've just added uh, three towns in uh, the Northeast Kingdom, Crassbury, Greensboro, and Hardwick, which we're really excited about as well, and uh, two in Rutland County, Killington, and also Pittsfield, and we've been serving Brandon there. So, um, you know, just little by little, we've been expanding And it really, uh, you have to have the personnel to do that. And one of the things we've been able to do because of the additional state funding was to partner with the Thompson uh, in Windsor County, but also add a second case manager in central Vermont, which has helped helped us massively. um, And that helped uh, one of the case managers to be able to take uh, in those three towns in the kingdom. So, 
Uh, unfortunately, we still have a lot of ground left to cover in Northeast Kingdom, um, but we're talking to a group there that uh, wants to maybe partner with us and launch something that would expand uh, more of the kingdom territory. Mm-hmm. And then the next, you know, last area would be the rest of Rutland County and then Wyndham and Bennington counties. So it, it all has to do with what you're able to do with the funding you have. Right. 802-244-1777 is the number to call if you have a question about home share for Rick Singeri. Now, uh, finances. You depend on some pretty significant contributions from state and federal mm-hmm. partners. How does it all come together that way? Yeah, so um, the state has been really uh, phenomenal in backing Home Share Vermont and came up with additional funding um, to help us expand in the last um, session. And, you know, th- I mean, the state obviously has a real keen focus on um, helping to uh, find more housing and some is to build housing. In our case, it's to use existing stock, right? And so the more people we can reach who can share their homes um, and then uh, we can match with those looking for affordable housing, um, you know, then uh, we're able to make more and more matches. Last year we had um, a 35% increase in applications from the previous year. We had a record number of matches. Um, we actually helped over 220 people during the course of the year um, in home share matches during the last fiscal year. So, um, you know, with more territory now, with more um, individuals working uh, at Home Share Vermont, we hope to, to take that to another new record number. Hmm. 220, boy, uh, it really it does take some of the pressure off the housing crisis that right. we're experiencing. Um, you can imagine how much worse it would be if home share wasn't there. Yeah, we we will always say we're not the answer, but we're one part of the answer. Um, and I think you know the legislature sees that you know that there's just no one way you're going to solve what's going on with the housing situation. I should mention I keep using the word affordable. It's an affordable um, uh, option. So we set um, a maximum as to what someone can charge with rent, and that's $650, okay, per month to their their guest. But if the individual is providing some home uh, some home help, sure. um, chores, you know, mowing the lawn, shoveling the snow, uh, running someone to errand, you know, on errands, um, you know, maybe um, cooking several times a week, then the host tends to ask for less money in rent. Some even zero dollars. Some are rent free. So the average that our guests are paying right now to uh, for a one bedroom apartment or one bedroom, um, you know, in a, in a private home is three hundred and eighty dollars, which is about a third of what the average one bedroom apartment is in Vermont right now. So that's affordable. Yeah, that uh, that would make uh, a fair amount of sense to a lot of people who yeah. have to be thinking where where their uh, where their next uh, right. place of residence is. Yeah. Who is the typical client? Um, are these so? These are people, most people generally aren't going to invite somebody else into their home if they don't. You know, if they can afford not to, um, or, yeah. or am I wrong about that? No, I mean, it's a lifestyle change, um, you know, to say I'm going to open my home uh, to another individual. But, um, 
you know, most of the hosts are going to be uh, going to skew older. The average age is 70, but um, the youngest we have sharing her home is 28 years old, and it goes up to um, we've got a woman now who's applied who's uh, 101. Um, <laughs> You know, and then the guests um, range from the early 20s, and we have the oldest uh, guest is 80 years old. Um, so that average age is going to be about 49. Um, you know, so the hosts are going to skew a little older uh, than the guests, but we always are surprised, um, you know, by um, the really the the breadth of of ages on both sides. Huh. Um- what do you, what happens in an emergency situation? Somebody takes a fall or, you know, heaven forbid, somebody passes. Yeah. Um, those are all things that can happen. They probably already have happened Absolutely. in your history. Yeah. What happens there? So, um, you know, usually that's going to be the host, um, right? And uh, in those situations, uh, in most of those situations, what the uh, host's family has decided is – uh, to have the guests stay there, um, you know, for several reasons. One, if the person um, needs to go to the hospital or in, in the case of, of them passing away, um, there's a presence in the home, um, you know, while the estate is being sorted, right? Yeah. And so um, we had a situation where a gentleman had a younger fellow um, – as his guest, as a matter of fact, he taught him things like, you know, how to use the computer better, how to, uh, to develop playlists of the show tunes that he loved. Um, but when he passed away, the family decided um, that the guest could stay there. And while they were having work done to the home, they had someone there, you know, who could uh, let the workers in and out and keep an eye on things. Also, you know, just have a presence in the home instead of letting it be uh, empty and he stayed for um, over a year until the family said, you know, okay, we're ready to sell the home. Um, and then the gentleman, go. yeah. So, um, you know, what you have in so many situations, Brad, is a friendship develops. Um, and even, you know, the family of the host, um, for them, you know, they're not rushing over to see their parent five or six times a week like they were. They can now get a little bit more of their life back, go see their family, their their uh, parent or parents a couple times a week, and then just check in with the guest and see how their their um, their parent is doing. And so it takes a lot of pressure off um, the family overall. And so, you know, you have these friendships develop. Um, we had one woman in St. George. She has four children across the country, um, and she likes to go visit them. And while she's gone, she wants somebody to watch the cat. She now has her second um, guest in there. But the last one, uh, she had a woman who came in to teach for a year at UVM and said it's like getting another daughter. You know, they went out and did things together, got creamies, went apple picking, um, and had a great time together. So friendships develop um, when these matches are, are made. Geez, that's that's uh, uh, sounds terrific. And in, in, in the situations where it works out that well, it works out. Super. I yeah. mean, you've you've gained, you've profited from it more than just financially. You've also gained um, a, a daughter, a son, whatever. and the individual can stay in their home longer. They're not they're not uh, moving to a, a care facility um, as as early as they might have. You know, now they can stay because so many do want to stay in place, age in place. 
and they, you know, they have that opportunity with home sharing. The legislative session really is just days away. Yeah. What do you expect to happen from a financial standpoint from uh, at the state house? Well, um, I don't think we're looking for any additional funding this year. Um, you know, we hope that that they continue with the funding that they've offered us um, in the past. It's been extremely helpful, and um, I know. You know, we just keep hearing from legislators um, how important they think this is as a, a piece of the puzzle um, and would like to see us expand. Um, you know, we, we were at the State House uh, last February um, and got to talk to many of them. And the hardest is um, those representatives from the kingdom and from southern Vermont who keep saying, we want you here. We want you in our part of the state. And we're working as hard as we can. It's part of our strategic plan to cover the entire state. But, again, um, we can't get ahead of ourselves. We have to have uh, the resources to be able to do that. And they realize that. And, you know, as they can, we hope that they can continue to find us. We – there is a a pretty significant um, projection for uh, uh, tax increases, property tax increases this year. Um, I'm sure that uh, they will try to minimize that as best they can. At least I hope they do. Right. Um, so that, uh, you know, uh, you, you, what you're really hoping for is level funding then. And uh, But if you get an increase, then that is something that can help um, modify the housing crisis in places where you're not. Quite That's right. right. Um, we'd love to, you know, we have a, a map that we've colored in this, the counties where we are and the towns where we are. We'd love for that map to be completely colored in, but we know, um, you know, it'll take time. We're working towards that. We're partner. We hope to partner with um, organizations like we did with the Thompson Center down in Woodstock to be able to help us to to fill in those blanks. That would be the next step for in our uh, in our growth. Right. Well, uh, Rick, thank you so much for stopping by to visit with us uh, to talk about Home Share Vermont. Uh, this sounds like such a really good opportunity to resolve a housing crisis for individuals. And uh, it's uh, it's been great to talk with you. Welcome back to the studio. Thanks for inviting me. All right. And uh, so we will be back. We plan to speak with uh, the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State Colleges, Dr. Elizabeth Mock. And we will be back shortly. Welcome back to Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Our next guest is Dr. Elizabeth Mock, who is the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State College System as of January 1st. And she is the outgoing president of Bethany College in Kansas, not to be confused, I don't believe, with Bethany College in West Virginia. Dr. Mock, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we've been uh, anxiously awaiting your uh, arrival because of um, the difficulty that the Vermont State Colleges uh, finds itself in. Um, But first, uh, let me just ask you about um, coming from Kansas to Vermont. I'm sure you're aware of the cultural differences between a multi-campus state system in Vermont and a private college uh, with a religious affiliation in Kansas. I wonder uh, what your experience in Vermont has been thus far. Excellent. Thank you for the question. Uh, And before I start, I just do want to comment on how impacted 
uh, all the Vermont communities have been with the, the recent yet flooding yesterday. And I just want them all to know I'm thinking of them and I'm hoping for a speedy recovery on this flooding. Um, so my, the first part of my career, I was actually in Pennsylvania's state system of higher education. So I'm very aware of a system of institutions. And so that experience will certainly help me as I um, look to develop the Vermont State College's systems. Um, and my experience at the rural private institution that I'm coming from right now is just an understanding of what rural education is in higher education, both from a public perspective and a private perspective, understanding the unique challenges and opportunities. And when I saw this opportunity, I was just so excited to come here to Vermont and really um, develop this system where, you know, Vermonters can get anything starting from a certificate all the way up to a master's degree. And I'm looking forward to the opportunities that are here. Now, um, can you describe uh, the difference between what you would expect to find here in Vermont at these small state-run colleges and um, and where you are in Kansas. Um, just, just to give you an example of what I'm, of what I'm asking, um, the uh, tuition I noticed um, is, about, is just over $28,000 a year at – um, at Bethany College in Kansas. Um, it isn't that high yet in the state college system. But um, I suppose what I'm asking really is the expectations um, that a student would have and the differences between the two schools. Sure. Um, you know, the, the students, I, I really see the students from where I'm coming from and in Pennsylvania, where I came from, and here in Vermont, as really being similar. They are looking to um, make improvements and changes in their own lives, and they'd like to do that through higher education. And so what we need to do is to demonstrate the value of what education we have and really talk to them about what it is we can provide for them. You know, where are they in their career? What is it that they're looking to do? And so to me, all of this really is the same. The students are looking to come to find some kind of value so that they can have a meaningful life and a meaningful career once they have left our system. Um, To me, the more unique piece of this Vermont system is that even once they have left us, they can return to continue on in their education to further that meaningful career or to further their meaningful life. And I think that is really the gem of this system. Would you like to speak or ask a question of Dr. Elizabeth Mock, the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State College System? The number to call is 802-244-1777. That's 244-1777. Um, I'm sure you're aware by now that the state college system here has been under some pretty hefty financial pressure. Uh, your predecessor, uh, Sophie Zdatny, didn't stay very long. And actually, some students have called for the elimination of the chancellor's position in the belief that administrative positions are too costly to the system. Um, what, what, uh, not sure how serious that was about about eliminating the chancellor's position since it hasn't been and the legislature quickly dismissed it uh, because somebody has to be in, in the leadership position. But um, 
What would you tell those students who think that the administrative cost structure is too heavy for this for Vermont State Colleges? Certainly. Um, and I certainly appreciate all student input and faculty and staff input and input from folks in the in the state of Vermont. Um, you know, I, I was hired to really look at strategically not only what we need to do for today, but where we're looking at tomorrow. And I would say that is the important goal of this position. I, I really have three goals that I'll be looking at over these next few years. Um, the first one is obviously looking at the budget and the budget modifications that need to be made under the mandate from the state legislature. Secondly, I am really looking to tell the story of the Vermont State Colleges system, um, working with faculty, staff, and students. Why are these so important? And really, uh, one of the most important things is that um, in rural Vermont, um, our students need to have access to rural public higher education. Um, and what we know about these institutions is they are a magnet for our rural students to be able to get a degree, and that is so important. And then thirdly, and why I think this position is so important, and the piece that I'm probably most looking forward to, is to really look to innovate. What are the question I would have is what are the majors, what are the degrees, what are the certificates that Vermonters will need twenty or thirty years from now? And how can we start developing some of those things or even ten years from now? And I think that's gotta be a piece of this is constantly innovating and constantly improving so that we can ensure that we are meeting the needs of all Vermonters. Do you have a sense of, of that now, or, or is it too early? Uh, I, you know, I, there certainly are already examples. I, I would take our nursing program. I mean, so as an example, who would have thought 20 or 30 years ago that our nursing students would be using simulation labs? So it, it even could be majors that we have today. But, you know, Vermont, we, I talked about the flooding. You know, we, we really need to look and see as the climate is changing, as the world changes, what are ways that we can look to meet the needs of all Vermonters? And some of those majors or some of those programs probably don't exist today. And I'm really looking forward to especially working with our faculty and working with business leaders and elected officials in our state to say, how can we meet those needs of Vermont? And I think in there is where the real innovation, the value add that, that this system will have and has already had, as I mentioned, with the nursing program. You know, we're, we're already doing that. I just think we have to make sure we're continuing it. It sounds like uh, in some cases you may be considering adding academic programs. Um, interim President Mike Smith released a report uh, a couple of months ago um, indicating that a, he thought about 10 degree programs could be cut along with somewhere between 20 and 33 faculty positions. To me, that sounded pretty austere, um, and yet it's really not, doesn't, didn't involve that many students. Um, it, it sounds like you would have quite a challenge to um, be as innovative as you want to be in the future with uh, possibly new academic uh, programs while having to uh, perhaps cut others? Well, certainly we, we've got to continue to innovate, and so that doesn't always necessarily mean a brand-new program. In the case of nursing, the Vermont State College system uh, has been, you know, been a leader in the nursing field for many, many years. We're talking about modifications, but 
you know, certainly as we continue innovating and seeing what's out there in the future is something that is exciting to me. I am sure that the legislature is interested in the Vermont State system, Colleges system, you know, meeting those needs, meeting the needs of the workforce, meeting the needs of local businesses and regional businesses. And so, you know, I don't think it's always just a brand new major. It could be a reimagination of a major or a reimagination of a project. And I think that that's what higher ed certainly needs to do. It's something that I have done in my own past. And, um, you know, when we do that and we meet those needs, that's really where those synergies will happen and where we really will be able to describe our value to the citizens of Vermont. We are speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Mock, the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State College System. Uh, Dr. Mock, um, one of the issues that uh, the Vermont State College system has to grapple with is declining student enrollment. We are seeing it in the public school system. It has been going on for quite a long time, decades. Um, And that has fed uh, something of a rumor mill about closing a campus uh, quite often, uh, even when I was a student at Linden State, at was that what was then Linden State College, um, there was always this rumor mill going about. Oh, gee, we're hearing that uh, you know Linden or Johnson campuses might be closed, um, and it all and what fed it was this declining student enrollment from the public school system and from you know other places. Um, how much of a conundrum, how much of a difficult problem do you see this being? Well, certainly declining uh, student populations, most particularly 18-year-olds, is a problem and a challenge all over the country. And, and Vermont uh, certainly hasn't been spared from that. Um, you know, certainly one of the things that we are looking at and where we think is an opportunity is that, um, you know, right now only about 45% of high school students in Vermont go to college. And when I talk about talking about our value proposition and describing to students what it is that we think um, they can get, again, for this a meaningful life and a meaningful career after graduation, um, we think that is certainly an area of opportunity for us. Um, and, you know, each of the campuses around the state certainly has its own unique flavor. It has its own unique input that it is providing to Vermont. Uh, and so we, I'm really looking forward to getting to know those campuses better, um, to be able to add them to this value proposition that we are making about the Vermont State Colleges system. It just does seem like it's been going on for a long time. I mean, I was in college in the 70s. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, <laughs> often a, a, a topic of conversation. Um, there is also, um, uh, an interesting mix of out of state kids with in state kids who are attending college. Um, do you know the numbers? Um, and, uh, and how does that shake out? And is the is the financial uh, future of the Vermont State College uh, system dependent on out-of-state students? I, I don't yet know what the mix is from out-of-state to in-state, um, but I look forward to learning all of those numbers in more detail uh, after January 1st and excited about it. 
Um, you know, in, in a in an institution of higher education, we look to educate everyone. You know, obviously, the main priority of this system is to educate the folks in Vermont and Vermonters. Um, where I see growth opportunities, as I mentioned, is in our own public high schools or our own high school populations. Um, I would look to see how we can start to look for adult students who are looking to further a career or maybe take that first step to some kind of higher education. Um, and then certainly, yes, uh, it, it, when we describe our value proposition, if there are students from other states, which I know there already are, who find a value in our programs, uh, we certainly would welcome them here uh, as we already do. And I, I think we need to have a multi-tiered and multi-pronged approach to increasing enrollment because this is challenging. Um, it, now, mind you, from the 70s when you were talking about this, the number of 18-year-olds did go up for many years, but um, it, it has been declining for several years. Um, we know that it will continue. And so I think we have to look for other innovative ways. I think we have to embrace this notion of lifelong learning for all Vermonters. How is it that you can enter our system at a variety of places in your own career and find that value? So that is what I will be really excited to work on with the faculty, staff, and students in the Vermont State College's system. Part of your purview will include the Community College of Vermont and um, Vermont Technical College, which is uh, yes. based – it has some four-year programs, but has, has been thought of for a long time as a, as a, as a two-year college. Um, is the technical – uh, is the technical course of study, um, uh, does it have a bigger future in your opinion, at least in this system, than, um, than, than the typical liberal arts education? It certainly has a future. I, I as I said, the, the beauty of this system, what makes the system a gem is this mix of technical degrees, of degrees that students can get starting in a community college uh, and our liberal arts education. Um, you know, we, we are using all of those to develop students as they move along this continuum of higher education. Um, but certainly, since you asked about technical uh, programs, yes, I certainly think they play a role. Um, I, I think we are, you know, so proud we have increased the number of plumbers and electricians. I think we have 100 more students in our programs right now. You know, we educate the citizens of Vermont. We educate them for um, all different kinds of uh, opportunities and jobs. And we're very excited about that. It's something I'm very excited about. Um, I, I think that meeting the needs of all Vermonters is something that is so important and so fundamental to this system. Um, the uh, report that was issued by uh, Interim President Mike Smith uh, recommended uh, consolidating several other programs. I'm, I'm sure you've read it at this point, uh, yeah. and moving uh, a, about 11 of them around among uh, the campuses uh, as they are currently configured. Um, Smith pointed out that the programs he focused on there just don't have enough students enrolled. Have you ever, have, in your um, experience um, as an administrator in higher education, have you had to close a program because it didn't have enough kids in it? 
I certainly have done that. Again, this to me is just part of the continuous improvement, you know, what's working, what's not working. Um, and I have throughout my career, both as a faculty member and as an administrator, um, looked at programs, how they were meeting the needs of students. You know, we have a finite amount of resources, and so we want to be doing what is best for our students. And I always see these as opportunities. So if there is a program that students aren't choosing, I think we genuinely have to ask the question, um, you know, is this the right program for both students to put their tuition dollars into, but also the state for the appropriation to put its dollars into? And I think that th this is just the continuous improvement question that uh, we need to be asking now and we need to continue to ask in the future. If you have a question for Dr. Elizabeth Mock, the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State College System, you can do that by dialing 802-244-1777. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Dr. Mock, I, uh, uh, I was talking to a, uh, a former legislator um, about, uh, you know, what's happening with the Vermont State College system. And one of the questions that he said that keeps popping up is the um, administrative building itself in Montpelier. Um, and he thought maybe there would be room for uh, on a campus or some other state building um, uh, to move the chancellor's office somewhere where um, uh, it wouldn't cost as much money to uh, for this uh, substantial building in Montpelier, um, has that has that come up in your conversations with with people here? Yeah, I, I certainly haven't uh, started yet, so not not that particular one. But you know, obviously, we will be looking at everything, and you know, ensuring that. For us, the number one goal has to be the quality of education for our students. And so if we have, you know, something that isn't working for our students, it isn't showing a maximum return on investment, that certainly is something that we will need to consider, but for, you know, the entire system, um, and that will include the chancellor's office. Do you uh, think a little – any issues um, involving – uh, uh, on-campus protests. The, uh, um, the Israel-Hamas war um, has, uh, has been the focus of uh, student protests in a number of campuses around the country, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, do, you, do you worry about anything in that, in that realm? Well, you know, students being able to, um, you know, have their opinions, exercise their First Amendment rights is, frankly, something that is fundamental to higher education, and I would support that. Obviously, if something walks over into the case of, um, you know, some kind of not protected speech, we would obviously have to look at that. But generally, it has been my experience that, um, you know, these students, these future leaders, they have something to say. They have a different perspective. They have lived differently, you know, than someone like myself who has been, you know, lived many more years. And I think that's something that we want to encourage and encourage folks to do safely uh, so that uh, we, we do get all of the new perspectives, um, you know, in, in our higher education system. So I am, you know, I, I certainly watch these things very closely, but uh, generally I think our students do have to have a right to 
um, gather and make their opinions known. Thank you. Uh, our thanks to Dr. Elizabeth Mock, uh, the incoming chancellor of the Vermont State College System, uh, coming in on January 1st. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, Tim Westmore, I'm sorry we didn't get to your question. It just came in a little too late. This is uh, Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV.